This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Returned this uh, morning, early hours in the morning, about 1230, as I said, and uh, we had a, an amazing trip, and I wanted you to look real quick at First uh, Thessalonians 2.17 just to see a little bit about what I feel like could really sum up what we went to do and what we accomplished. I thought we had an amazing team. So thankful for them and for what they accomplished and who they are and uh, who God's growing them to become in their life. Uh, we really went down with three primary purposes. Uh, and first was to provide a house for a man and a family who did not uh, have a sustainable house. Their hut, about the size of the stage, was collapsing in on itself. Uh, they had about, I think, eight to ten people who were living inside of that hut. And so we were tasked with building a house for them, uh, coming alongside some other uh, Dominican Republican uh, workers to come to build a hut. Uh, really build a better house. And uh, when we were leaving, one of the one of the leaders said, "I think the, he has the nicest house in the town now." Uh, it was it was pretty sweet. It was an amazing job. The team did an awesome job. Second task was uh, VBS. Uh, we did a VBS with children. Man, if you could see the faces on these kids, uh, not because of what we gave them, resources, food or water, or anything like that, just simply because of the presence of some amazing young men and women uh, who just spent time with them. One of my, you know, so many amazing things, but you got to know, like, just teams. I've been able to spend, you know, two trips with a a lot of them, and, you know, I think about, like, Emma, when, you know, she, she can just sit anywhere, and then all of a sudden there's, like, 20 kids just on her, and you're like... What do you do? <laughs> I thought about lunch with Isaac. Isaac was, we were all eating lunch, and man, uh, you have to, you kind of get it, you get off to the side, and you have like just a few minutes just to like pound something that, you know, like for me, it was like little almond butter packets or something just to get some nutrients back in you. It's 105 to 110 degree heat index there. So you're trying to get some nutrients in, you're trying to grab some water. And I'm like over there, uh, you know, covered in dirt, sweating, and, uh, not tired, because if you say you're tired, you have 20 push-ups. Uh, so not tired, and just kind of watching everything going on. And all of a sudden, over the side, here's Isaac, just playing soccer. And I'm like, are you going to eat? Like, what are you doing? He's just with the kids. And, uh, and you know, that says a lot about who they were. Uh, it random times, just throughout the trip, you know, you look over, and there's Lisette with kids, like, doing her hair. And you just, they were just immersed in the kids. So the VBS was awesome, not because of the, uh, what we gave or anything like that, but just simply because our team really, I think, set the pace by loving well uh, in Cuchilla, the Bate of Cuchilla. Um, we also did uh, food distribution for over 500 families. Uh, providing meals for 500 families in three different bates. A bate is like a little community of uh, individuals that live there. Now, the really awesome part about this, and I want to read this just real quick, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.17, but it's for us. Brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face, so we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. And I'm reminded of like our desire and Pastor Glenn's desire to be in Haiti and to be back with the people whom we work with. We long to be there, but the political unrest, the societal unrest continually pulls us away from being able to fly in and be present with the people whom we've been working with and who you have been supporting. But God saw it fit in his infinite wisdom and just graciousness to allow us to go to a place where we were able to work with Haitian refugees. 
These were individuals who had come from uh, Haiti and settled in Bates, uh, not able to get citizenship in the Dominican Republic. They would settle in these Bates, create a little community there, speak really Creole, which is Haitian, uh, Haitian Creole, uh, not Spanish. So you'd often find yourselves, I think a couple of you found yourselves in this position where you'd be speaking in English uh, to an interpreter who would go to Spanish and then to Creole, so that somebody can understand you. Three different languages. It was amazing uh, to see how God was using people to do that. And, and one time, the team tells of a story where they were sharing the gospel with a group of people, and the one of them spoke Creole and couldn't understand Spanish. So there was no way to communicate with them. And all of a sudden, the Lord, in His graciousness, passed by somebody who knew Spanish and Creole. Not on our team, and just from the community who understood both, and she graciously stepped in and started translating for us so the gospel could be preached. Um, and let's we'll share her testimony. It, just amazing things like this took place. But verse 19, For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Uh, throughout Scripture, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Philippians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, I desire to be with the church, to encourage it, to build it up, to give a spiritual gift to it. And Paul wanted to so long, uh, so long to be with the people of God in these different communities. Um, not just for the purpose of evangelism, but for the purpose of kindling up the church to be the, what the church ought to be. And one of the things I loved about the ministry we went with called Lisa These Ministries is we worked through the church, not by ourselves. And so you, I remember, uh, you guys might remember this who was on the trip. Uh, when we were working, uh, I loved how it wasn't just us, but on top of the roof, and if you've ever tried to do this, uh, we had 10 to be the, to be the top of the roof. And here's the pastor with a nail, nailing through 10, just bam, bam, clanking through this 10. And 105, 110-degree heat index, he's up there 50, 60 years old, would y'all say? I would probably say. Uh, just the whole week long working. So we worked through the church for food distribution, for VBS. We gave to the church to provide for kids. We uh, provided a house through the church for a family who had a little infant, a mom, who was still feeding the, mom, like the baby. Like That's how young this baby was. And uh, a family. We provided housing for it. And you guys helped us to do that. You guys sent us so that we could do these things. One of my favorite moments was at the very end. You saw him in the video. He's, his name's Alexis. He was uh, the huge guy. with. Uh, he was hammering at one point with a red shirt on, if you saw him. Uh, Alexis uh, was just around the area and had found out that there were Americans building a house and so came to help. And by the end of the week, he and I had created a pretty good relationship. And we couldn't speak a lot to each other, but I tried the best I could. Always had a smile on his face. Um, much tougher, you know, just really strong man uh, than I am. And so I looked at him and I said, Alexis, tu eres for, uh, muy fuerte, which means you are very strong. And he said, uh, he, he responded, you know, smile. And he said, thank you, thank you so much. And I said, but I, pero uh, yo soy, quiere, or quiero, uh, muy fuerte en Jesucristo. I want you to be very strong in the Lord, in Jesus Christ. And, you know, he looked at me, he's like, okay, uh, you know, you can see in his face, he's like, oh, I go to the Catholic Church, and I looked at him, and I said, look, there's, there's very few uh, men who step up to be leaders in this community. Because if you go to church, you guys saw it. There's, there's no men. It's, uh, 
women deacons, women preachers, women leaders. Um, and I'm not saying necessarily anything about that. What I'm saying is no men stepping up to be leaders in their family and in the church. And so I looked at Alexis and I said, I want you to learn what it means to be strong as a man of God. Not just to be strong physically. And man, he received that so well. And he's like, he's like, I need to learn this. I want to learn this. And so I hope we can further that ministry. I hope we can continue to working, continue to work with men like Alexis to help them to stand up and be the godly leaders they can be in their church in that area. So I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the team. Obviously, a lot of y'all were in the 930 service, but thank you to this team right here uh, for what y'all did. You were amazing. I'm so thankful for you. I'm proud of you. It's good stuff. We're going to be looking at Psalm 37 this morning. And we're asking the question, how do we biblically counsel through stress? How can we help others process through stress? Or maybe you're in here today and you're struggling with stress. How can we look at Scripture and understand how to better uh, wrestle and process through and overcome stress in our lives? I think stress is the, uh, is the fear of what is, while anxiety is the fear of what ifs. Anxiety fears something in the future that might or might not happen, while stress fears what is today and what is reality today. I know this is going to happen, Mabin. I know I'm going to be faced with this, I, and this is so hard. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but I want, to, I want to dig into this. What about those things that you have, that, what you have, what you do, and who you are that are causing stress in your life? And I'm going to walk through Psalm 37 with you, but before we do, I just want you to see a few things about this. If anxiety fears the future and stress fears the moment, then God's truth is both for the future and for the moment. But when we doubt the what-ifs and when we doubt those future things and we, we doubt what God can do in the future, it's really doubting His future for us, His promises for us in the future. When we doubt those things today... It's what we're looking at is saying, okay, God, I know that your truth is for me today. I know your strength is for me today. I know you've given me what I need today, but I'm doubting what you can do for me. And one, one is I'm doubting your plan for me and what you have for me. The other is I'm doubting your strength for me, that you can do today what you said you would do. Both are difficult. Both cause fear. Both cause uh, uh, bodily hurt, angst, stress, division, anxiety, depression, and even worse. But I want to help you to understand the differences and to better understand what Scripture has for you in these moments. I'm going to read through Psalm 37 with you. We're going to read it somewhat slow and to better, to better process and understand. And as we read through it, I want you to be asking this question, can God help you today? Can God help you today? Psalm 37. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In a little while, and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. 
The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slaughter those whose ways upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will, they will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastors, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked person borrows and does not repay, but the righteous one is gracious and giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those who curse by Him will be destroyed. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes a pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed, because the Lord supports him with his hand. I've been young, and now I am old, and yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned, or his children begging for bread. He's always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil, do what is good, and settle permanently. For the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever. But the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait. For the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I've seen a wicked, violent person, well rooted like a flourishing native tree, and then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright, for the person of peace will have a future. But transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. Salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in Him. You see, stress is a fear of what is. But it's twofold. Some in here today, and maybe some who you counsel, will be stressed because of great priorities. These are things that you know that you ought to do. God has given that you should do. These are things that God has given you. You know what you have, you know what you do, and you know who you are. But out of those things that you have, and out of those things that you do, and out of that thing that you are, there comes great stress. You may say, I know exactly God's mission for me. It's this job. It's my family. It's these friends. It's to pursue this goodness, Matt. These are the things that God has for me. And yet those things are the things that are bringing you stress in your life. Because what happens sometimes in our life is those good things that God has given us, we doubt that God can control them. We doubt that God can save us in the midst of those. We doubt that God can give us the strength to fight through them. And all of a sudden, things that are wonderful and good and that you ought to do become great stress in your life. And now you're looking at your career like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the strength anymore because we're asking the wrong question. Remember, as you go through Psalm 37, the question is not, can I do this? The question is, can God do this? Because it was never the question of, should I go into this business? Should I have these things or should I be this person? It was always, what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to be? And what does God want me to have? And so if it's all about what God wants me to do and to be and to have, 
then I ought to be able to say then it's also what God can do in the midst of those things. So I'm going to give them over to the Lord. I'm going to give God the ability to work in the midst of my weakness so that I am made strong because He is strong. You see, the first difficulty we have is when we have great things that cause great stress. But there's another difficulty we have. It's when low priorities become great stress. Things that ought not to be a priority in your life become a great stress in your life. You know, uh, one author says that we are specifically, specifically millennials in the next gen are the generation of anxiety and burnout, of stress and failure and fear. We walk into areas bringing in uh, uh, a sense of stress and anxiety with us. That's what many would say is the, our generation, but I want you to think about this. iPhones were created in 2007. 2005 or 2006 is when Facebook was created. Netflix, not far, not far behind this. All of these things were created in the sense that life would be better. Life would be easier. Life would be more connected. We'd have more community because we'd be able to connect with other people. But think about what it might have actually caused is, I want what they have. I want to do what they do. I want to be like them. Social media shows us what we could be without showing us what God has called us to be. And we start to desire something other than what God has for us, which is called greed, which then evokes in us stress because how can I get there? How can I be this? That's not what God called you to. God will give you the strength to do and to be and to have what He wants you to do and be and have. And so we start to settle into what God has for us, and yet we get tempted by the things of this world to draw us out of what God has for us and to make us want more than what God has for us. You know, in uh, 19, uh, I think it was like the 60s or 70s, French philosophers and, uh, and sociologists said, they said this, life would be so much easier as we progress forward towards simplicity, towards peace, towards ease on earth, that we would only work something around 20 hours a week, that we'd get to spend more time with family, investing in them, resting, enjoying the work of our machines and technology, that we would only work about 30 weeks a year. But today, we work somewhere around 60 to 70 hours a week. We sleep somewhere around less than seven hours a day. It was projected and found that before, in uh, about 100 years ago, they slept 11 hours a day. You slept from moon to sun. That's when you started sleeping, it's when you woke up. But the invention of light, the invention of phones, has to turn us all from what we once thought we were going to have to now today what we have. The simplicity of what we thought we were going to have has now become complexity around technology and what we should give our time to and what we should give our thoughts to and what we should source our mission from in life. And so all of a sudden our priorities have shifted greatly because we don't know who we should be, what we should have, and what we should do. But Matthew six thirty-three, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. 
And so now that we look back at Matthew 6, the beginning in Matthew 5, and you see what's promised in Matthew 5 is the makarios, the blessing, the joy, the true happiness of life can only be found in Christ. And those things are given to you when you seek first the kingdom of God. So it can't be I seek first what the world offers me to have, to do, and to be. I'm now looking at my, I'm going to prioritize my life around the kingdom of God. And those things, those low-level things that aren't priorities in my life, habits and lifestyles and things to do and things to have are not going to cause stress in my life. They might be there. They might exist. They might be present. A phone might exist in your life, but it's not going to be my stress point. It's not going to be my source of stress. It's not going to be my, surely not going to be my source of peace. Because I source my peace from my God. You look at verse 35 and you see our world. It looks good on the outside, but when you look on the inside, it's crumbling in, uh, underneath. Verse 35 says, I've seen a wicked, violent person well-rooted like a flourishing native tree. It should flourish, right? A native tree ought to flourish. It better be grown. It'd be successful. And that's what it looks like to be in a world that it looks pretty on the outside, like a social media-looking world. But verse 36, Then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. I challenge you to be, to, to have, and to do what God has called you to do because when you do, you find the protection, the peace, the joy, the happiness, and the love of God right where He wants you, right where He's called you. You know, I think about verse 16, the little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. We can look at this life and we can say, God, I wish I had more, which is automatically going to create what in you? Stress. I fear what is because I fear that it's not enough because I want more and more and more and more. But the little that a righteous person has is far greater than anything, any abundance that the wicked has. Why? Because I know that my goodness is not wrapped up in what I have today, but in what I am promised for tomorrow. Have you thought about how, isn't it fascinating how the, the gospel is actually a, a complete reversal of stress and anxiety? Anxiety fears what could happen. Stress fears what is happening. But the gospel promises you what will happen and gives you strength for what is happening. I think about this passage in itself. It says in verse 34, Wait. Wait for the Lord and keep His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. What does it look like to have such great strength in today and wait for what the Lord has for tomorrow? It's like as we said and when we were discussing anxiety, when you can lock in on what is and not fear the what is, then you can better understand that those, those difficulties and those stresses can be overcome by God's truth for today and His truth for tomorrow. What that might look like for you today is at work, when you're struggling, when you're doubting, when you're frustrated with your coworkers, when you're weary and weak. When you feel like you can't do anymore, you reset and you ask yourself, can I? Probably not. But can He? Absolutely. One of the mottos of our team this week 
shifted a little bit during the week. And it came from Galatians. Do not grow weary in doing good. Maybe in your life you feel just tired. Anybody out there feel like parenting is just hard? Y'all with me? Yep. If anybody didn't laugh or say yes, it's because you're still prepping, getting ready. You know? Uh, parenting is hard. You know, one of, the, one of the hardest parts of parenting, I think, is your day is difficult. You come home, or maybe you've been at home all day with the kids already, and it's just exhausting. And then there's that thing that your kid just constantly does. They're struggling with maybe uh, a fear. They're struggling with back-talking. Uh, they're struggling with hitting one of their sub- other siblings. Or maybe they're struggling with stealing or not sharing well. And it's that constant, 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 every day frustration. You're just like, God, this is overwhelming. But then you settle back in and you ask yourself this question. Is this a high priority in my life? Is this something God has called me to do? And if so, will God give me the strength to do it? And I think that, I hope in God's peace, and I think this passage teaches this, that you can take a step back and go, okay, I can respond in, in sin with anger, frustration towards my kid, or I can wait patiently for God to work in their life, take a step back, find some peace and strength, and say, I know what my God has. I know that my God has a plan for you. Have you ever thought about uh, Je- uh, Moses? When he gets in distress, he's got too much in front of him. He's got too much on his plate. He's done, God's done some amazing things through him, but he gets to a point where he's like, I'm overwhelmed. He's doing godly things, like amazing things for this nation. Been in the presence of the Lord, giving us the Ten Commandments, great things. And Jethro comes to him and he says, hey Moses, if you're going to be able to continue, you're going to have to do this. It's going to allow you to de-stress a little bit. You, have you thought about David? Psalm 51. You see, Moses had a great priority that was causing him great stress. But David, in Psalm 51, had a low priority and a terrible sin. What he did was he saw another woman, coveted her as his own, let her husband be killed, took her as his own, great, caused great sin in his life, guilt, shame, stress in his life. People to come against him, enemies to attack him, friends to leave him, family to leave him. An intense amount of distress in his life overwhelmed him because of sin in his life. Moses, a great priority, caused stress. David, a low priority and high sin, caused great stress in his life. Today, you might be like one or the other, but both had to turn to the Lord. Both had to turn to the wisdom of God and the salvation of God alone. May your life be more like Christ, though. May you start to overcome those poor prioritizations and those uh, that letting stress overcome you in the midst of great priorities. And may you become like Christ, who in the garden was weeping, weeping as enough to have been like blood coming out of his eyes. As the cross was before him, he knew the way of God that was in front of him. And he knew that he was going to walk into that death and resurrection. 
And yet in his weeping, he chose that plan. He chose to go to the cross for you and for me. To die the death that I deserved and to raise from the dead so that I can too. He chose that. And I challenge you this morning, verse 23, when life gets difficult, a person's steps are established by the Lord and he takes pleasure. Isn't it good? He takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. Maybe you see the way before you. Maybe you see the path in front of you. Maybe today you know exactly the difficulties of what you do have and are. Maybe you say, man, I've got, I'm dealing with a, with, a, with a disease, Matt. I'm dealing with a job that is extremely difficult. Or I'm dealing with becoming a man that God wants me to be. And all these things are so difficult in my life. But I will tell you, you will find great pleasure in His ways. You will not be overwhelmed because the Lord will support you. Don't run from His mission for your life. Don't run from His plan and His ways for your life. It's better to be in His plan so you have His comfort and your, His peace and His love and hope and joy in your life than it is to step outside of it and try to find the peace of this world. It's a great pain to have social media, to have phones and devices, and to be struggling with great sickness to be struggling with not being able to find a job, to be struggling with who you are. Because you begin to compare yourself to what the world has. You begin to say, well, they overcame cancer. Why can't I? Well, they got out of this disease. Why can't I? Well, they, they, they aren't hurt like I was, and they were in the same situation. Why did they get the job? They don't deserve that. I know what they're like. Why do they have these blessings? Why do they have all these things? Why, why God? I'm, I'm, I'm so much better than them. I go to church. I, I read my Bible. I do all the things you've called me to do. Why do they have all these things and I don't? And you start to compare yourself to the things of this world. And you start to want the things of this world. You start to desire and go towards and you start to suck the goodness and the health and the, the joy and the peace from the things of this world. And all of a sudden your life starts to turn to shambles because you find out that it's not good. It's not enough. It never is. And so I hope you'll be like David in Psalm 37, verse 9. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in a time of what? Distress. When you find yourself needing refuge, when you find yourself needing deliverance, when you find yourself needing a source of joy in life and hope, I hope that you will turn to God's Word. I, will hope you, I hope you will turn to your God who loves you and wants infinitely more for you than you ever could imagine. He's a good God. And if an earthly father wants good for you, how much more do you think a heavenly father wants for you? So I, I challenge you with these two questions to ask today. Can God handle what you have before you? today, like what you have today, what you have when you step to Monday, not, not, not thinking about Monday right now because that's the what ifs, but what you have before you today, can God handle what you have? And tomorrow when you wake up, ask the same question, can God handle what I have? Read through Psalm 37 and ask that question, can God handle it? Can God handle it? Second, I want you to ask this, should this be a priority of my life? And you go to Matthew 6:33 and you say, am I seeking first the kingdom of God or are these things not what God wants for me to be seeking in my life? And if so, 
Here's your gospel response this morning. A response to the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I want you first to recognize your freedom and forgiveness in Christ. This is critical, critical because it's the kindness of God, the grace of God that leads you to repentance. And somebody in here today is overwhelmed by stress because of something you're continually doing in your life that's causing division with your family, with your friends, and your workplace. And there's a potential that at some point in your life, that sin is going to become so overwhelming in your life that it's going to rob you of your job, rob you of your family, potentially rob you of your friends. And, you, and, and, and today, I want to challenge you to step into that freedom and forgiveness in your life that God has poured out over you so that we can start today moving forward outside of that guilt and shame and stress in your life to find forgiveness and accountability. To be able to go to somebody and say, look, this is, this is happening in my life and it is completely robbing me of joy and hope, of harmony with God and with humans. This is robbing me. Will you help me? I want to overcome. Maybe today, you, 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 it's not sin necessarily, but it's, but it's just reprioritizing your life around different critical things that God wants for you. Because the cross always realigns our priorities around His mission. When He died on the cross and raised from the dead, He spoke into your life, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And so if our challenge is to go and make disciples of all nations, that means in our family, in our jobs, and with our friends, and with all the things that we do, we ought to be making disciples of all nations. So you write out your priorities and let someone else in your life look at those things and say, look, should this be a priority in my life? Is this something God wants for me to spend my time and my money and my energy, my career doing? And if it's not, maybe I need to step Maybe a step away from that thing. Maybe it's one of those low-level priorities that are going to stay in your life but not be a source of your joy and hope. Because anytime a priority becomes a source of your joy and hope, then it also has the potential of becoming a source of your stress. Because that which you give the opportunity to be your, your source of joy and, and hope, if, it's, if that joy and hope shifts to not being your joy and hope, all of a sudden it becomes your stress. Well, this is no longer, here's how people say it, this is no longer satisfying to me anymore. I don't really like this anymore. It doesn't really do what it used to do for me anymore. Well, that's because it never was supposed to. You're supposed to be sourcing your joy and your peace and your hope from God, not from that thing. We start worshiping the creation rather than the creator. You know what I'm saying? And so will you reprioritize your life around the mission of God that He has for you in your life? And second... Uh, in, under the same umbrella, will you just write out your habits and your influences in your life, those things that are pouring into your life and those habits that you do throughout your day and look at those and ask yourself, is that something that's causing anxiety and stress in my life? It's not a priority. Okay, Priorities are like, man, family's your priority. Uh, uh, investing in your kids. Being a great husband and a wife. There's just nothing greater. It's what God's called you to do to embody the gospel to the nations. So if, you're, if those are in place, if you have a spouse or if you have kids and if you don't, looking towards that or looking towards singleness, how am I going to reprioritize my life around the gospel? As you're doing all that, I want you to look at other habits and influences. These aren't priorities. This is how you use your phone. This is how you use your laptop. This is how you wear your clothes. This is how you uh, uh, speak to others with a, what language you use. This is uh, um, uh, what you do with your, with your hobbies, what you do with your times. Those may not be priorities in your life, but they're just things you do. Would you put those in front of somebody and just say, are these, do you see these things causing stress or anxiety in my life? And if they are, what do I need to do to completely cut those out of my life? 
and allowing people to just pick things out, almost like on a board, like just taking this off and saying, nope, you're done with that. Not going to do that anymore. And it's easy. I know it's easy. Like, it's easy for me to stand on a stage and tell you, okay, just stop doing that. We joke about that in counseling, and uh, many of you probably heard me joke about that. It's like, well, I know you're struggling. Just stop it. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work in counseling. That's why we're here for you. If you can't, just on a dime, stop. That's okay. We want to help you. Whether it be through a D group, life group, or through biblical lay counseling, we want to help you. Pastor Bill's here today. You can talk to him directly, or you can email him uh, and the pastors. We all have all eyes on one email, counsel at discoverwbc.com. It's a private email just for the pastors to see what you need help with and to get you the help that you need. So if you need help, reach out. Or maybe you just need to talk to your friends and just reprioritize. Look at your habits and influences. Kick some out and only leave was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That he might bless you with the makarios of Matthew chapter uh, 5. There's 10 blessings in your life of joy and happiness. I hope that God and I know that God will bless you today as you look at your what is and you trust him with your what is. And he gives you strength to overcome your weakness. Let me pray for you. Father, we trust you. We believe that you have a plan for us. I pray, Father, you would give us strength today. Strength to endure. Strength to overcome. That we might not be overwhelmed. As your word says in Psalm 37, we will not be overwhelmed, but you will hold us up with your hand. Would you give us the strength that we need today? Would you help us to release all stress, knowing that you are the God who holds our future in your hands and holds our day in your hands? We trust you, God. Praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.